Welcome to Spoilers Intended, a podcast about series, novels, and film. For this episode, Nicolas Cage takes us for a measure on a history trip at his leisure that may even be a pleasure. That's right, we're talking national treasure. Hey everybody, welcome to the show. I'm Stephen Ford, joined as always by Andrew Knuckles. Hello. And Joel Killingsworth. Hello. And that's right, we're going to be talking us a little Nicolas Cage and some national treasure. And I almost said Nicolas treasure Cage. planet. But before we dive into some Nicolas Cage-centric discussion, <laughs> we're going to have a Nicolas Cage-centric <laughs> discussion because he is the star of this show. So, for our intro topic... We're going to be talking about our favorite Nicolas Cage movies that are not National, National Treasure, Treasure. <laughs> which is uh, otherwise all of us would just be saying. National yeah, National it was a bit Treasure, awkward yeah. because Nash, as we've discovered by going through his whole filmography, National Treasure is, in fact, the best thing he's well, ever and done. He's in a lot of movies. He's in a lot of things. Yeah. Most of them are not good. Not, not particularly, no. So I am going to start this off by giving it to a thief, someone who stole my choice. All right. Joel. Yep. So I'm bringing for your consideration the film titled Next. This is a 2007 release where Nicolas Cage plays, and I'm I'm going to read verbatim the <laughs> IMDb <laughs> synopsis here because basically that's all there is to it. It says, a Las Vegas magician who can see into the future is pursued by FBI agents seeking to use his abilities to prevent a nuclear terrorist attack. That is the whole movie. I love I love how <laughs> the plot is government relies on magic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but the way that his, his abilities work as portrayed in the film, it's less a viewing of the future as it is a living through the future and essentially having an infinite number of retries. Right. Just just having to experience it and, and press rewind, yeah. experience. And so rewind. and so you never know whether you're in a vision or in reality, because as far as he experiences them, they're the same thing. Yeah. And I, I like those kind of films mm -hmm. that, that always leave you guessing whether you're, you're actually in reality or not. Mm -hmm. uh, Cause it, it does give it a little bit more of a suspense yeah. because like when something bad happens, you're like, Oh no, did that actually happen? I don't know. Yeah. yeah. And, and also the, the visual representation of his ability playing out is also pretty good for, you know, 2007. And I don't, think it had the, the biggest budget, uh, but you do get a lot of majestic Nicolas Cage face as he's <laughs> flowing through time. And there's, I, I, and there's this one part where he's, he's trying to get in good with this girl at a bar, right? Or it may, I don't know. It's, it's like, it's like a diner or something. And so he goes through just several tries in a row where like she ends up slapping him or it's just. <laughs> It's just terrible. It's not going his way. And so he just keeps trying and keeps trying like three or four times <laughs> until like he just gives up and goes away. Right. Like it's 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 there's a lot of humor to be had from it. There's mm -hmm. there's some spectacle to be had from it, too. There's one part where he is trying to get to this guy. And so usually the way that he the visions are visually depicted is it's just him living through it. Right. But in this one scene, the way they depicted it is they actually had like different versions of him as he's approaching this guy with a gun that are all getting shot and dying as the guy is shooting at him. But like the real quote unquote real one is the one that's stepping out of the path of the bullet each time until he makes it to the guy. Right. Um, and so they, they did a lot of interesting things with depicting his ability different ways visually. That sounds yeah. pretty cool. I, I've actually never seen the movie, so mm -hmm. 
It it would probably. I mean, again, Joel's a thief. If I was you know, push come to shove, choose something that's him that isn't national treasure. It, it's my next go to. Okay, next is your next go to. Next, oh, Ooh, oh, oh. nailed it. On that note, <laughs> I'm taking charge. Sure, go ahead. All right, we'll, we'll go back in time. We we are actually that's that's why I took it because <laughs> it's fun, right? Because that's 2007, and you were talking about the whole scene with the diner and him, mm-hmm. you know, trying to hit on a woman. So you could almost put. Con Air and this in the same timeline <laughs> just because of the way the plot works. So I'm, I'm going with Con Air. So I am not going to read the IMDb synopsis because it's not quite as simple as that. But basically, uh, Cage's character, Cameron Poe, is, you know, highly decorated uh, army ranger, according to this, a military man, uh, comes home to Alabama. Hey! hey. <laughs> Didn't actually realize that for whatever reason. Uh, thanks for that representation of Alabama, I guess, uh, you know, trying to, trying to talk with his wife, Trisha and, you know, gets into a fight at a bar and ends up, you know, killing someone accidentally. So he gets charged with involuntary manslaughter, goes to prison, and now it's the present day and he's being paroled. The only problem is the bizarre choices that have been made here means that this person who was charged with involuntary manslaughter is now on a parole plane full of the most dangerous and violent criminals the penitentiary system has to <laughs> this is a really weird scale when we get into it like when you really get down into it, it doesn't make any sense so basically these criminals have all created a plan in order to hijack the plane and escape the country so uh nicholas cage's character has to kind of play the game of yeah guys i support you i'm with you but really i just want to go home mm. and another country isn't home so i need a way to sabotage this without them being savvy to it and still being my friend so they don't because they're all these Horribly violent character. I mean, one of the characters talks about wearing a girl's head on his head as he drove through three states. You know, like these are some messed up individuals. And he's like, I need to work with you, but I also really don't need to work with you. Mm-hmm. So you get some some interesting bits. You know, there's a bit of a went through a little phase there in American cinema where we were really obsessed with tight action sequences on planes. I mean, yeah, you had Air Force One. There it is, yep. <laughs> one of the best Harrison Ford films. It's a really good film, yeah. That, but that's not who we're talking about. We're talking about <laughs> Nicolas Cage, and I have given my offering, so now it is on to Andy. <laughs> okay, so um, I am going all the way back to 1996, The back, Rock. Back a year from my. <laughs> uh, Michael Bay's second film, which was, act- okay, so Tinfoil Hat. Oh, I'm, no. Well, okay, well, hold on. I'll go over the synopsis hey, first before, before, before yeah, I, I know go where into, you're going with yeah. this. Um, okay, so the synopsis is a ex-military um, patriot uh, basically absconds some ne- neurogas um, missiles, mm-hmm. uh, short-range missiles that he then takes over Alcatraz and holds the city of San Francisco hostage. And they have to bring in Nicolas Cage, Stanley Goodfellow, um, to <laughs> – he's a, uh, an FBI – um, neurogas warfare expert, basically, and they they have to bring him in with a special SAS operative, which has um, been a prisoner of the U.S. government for some years now, uh, who is played by our lovely Sean Connery, uh, who are, we are so familiar with as being another SAS operative called James Bond, mm-hmm. and they have to go over to Alcatraz and basically infiltrate it and uh, subdue with a team of um of paramilitary guys mm-hmm. you know to stop them from from holding San Francisco hostage. Mm-hmm. The movie itself is actually pretty fun. Yeah. 
Uh, it's a decent action flick, even for Michael Bay, which um, this was early in his career. So he has not um, learned a lot of the bad things that he learned in later. <laughs> he has not yet discovered Transformers. Yes. Uh, but OK, so but tinfoil hat time. Yep. The Rock is actually a James Bond movie with Sean Connery as playing James That's Bond. That's the, the last time Sean Connery played James Bond? The, yes. yes, this is correct. So okay. um, there's there's a guy that has gone through and and literally lined up every single line of dialogue and referenced it back mm-hmm. to um, all, of ja- all of Sean Connery's James Bond films and the timelines of when they happened. And, and like which which mission was the failure that got him captured by yeah. the Americans, and then he's you know disavowed. Oh, so not by the so not just like the way he's talking, but the references. To oh his no no own no! Past. Like, like no. there are, there are, like there are specific lines of dialogue in The Rock mm-hmm. that reference back to um, Sean Connery's character in the film. Yeah, like incidents he was part of, and like how he was caught and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and how it is now like and like, when you look at all the evidence, it is so compelling that mm-hmm. there's no way it's not a James Bond film <laughs> and that is why it's my favorite Nicolas Cage movie because it's not actually a Nicolas Cage film it's actually a Sean Connery James <laughs> Bond film at the end of the day and I mean the movie itself is still really good like you have the uh, the, re- the the sweeping final climactic shot of Nicolas Cage with the with the two flares holding him up with the jets flying over Gosh. before they blow up Alcatraz mm-hmm. And, um, and they're, you know, they're playing with the, with the toxin gas, um, you know, little globules or whatever, and they're trying not to break it while they're fighting and shooting at each other and stuff. It's still, it's still a good action flick, but, um, it is a James Bond film. Fight me on that. Uh, (laughs) I can find all the reference material if someone really wants to. Yeah. If we want to, we can leak that video. Yeah. It's, it's honestly a really fun video to watch because you're you're just watching and you're like, there's no way. And then you're like, oh. Yeah, like we're going oh, down the is, rabbit hole. This is actually happening. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, so I like how we kind of picked it. It's like Nicolas Cage has these moments where he gets high points. So it's like 1996, 1997, 2006, 2007. Because now we are moving into the 2006, right? 2004. 2004. No. No, 2004. 2004. I 2006. Yeah. Okay, 2004. Theory ruined. It's not as strong. <laughs> it doesn't hold up as well as Sean Connery is James Bond at all times. Moving forward into National Treasure. So, Joel, you want to give us a little synopsis? Okay, this one I'm not sing, taking. From, sing us a from little ditty. So, National Treasure, we have, we start out with a family whose heritage is that they possess a secret, a secret passed down to them by uh, one of the founding fathers of the nation, uh, the last surviving signer of the Declaration of Independence, Lewis Carroll. And, um, they the secret is that there's this this treasure this treasure greater than all other treasures that has been uh kept secret and protected over um hundreds perhaps thousands of years of human history by uh a the group of people who eventually became what we know as the freemasons mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like knights templar yeah. crusades so all that kind of stuff kind of kind of secret society kind of kind of kind of vibe there and so they this family has been searching for this treasure to be to be guardians of it they're not like treasure hunting they're trying to to find it so that they can kind of take up the mantle of guardianship um and make a little bit of money along the way <laughs> uh, but they they 
in pursuing this wholeheartedly, the family has gotten a reputation as being kind of crackpots uh, because they believe in this theory that nobody else like they 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 haven't managed to scrounge up enough evidence to support mm-hmm. this secret that they have. And so we have the the protagonist, uh, uh, Nicholas Cage, playing Benjamin Franklin Gates, Benjamin Franklin Gates. This is definitely a U.S. history story <laughs> and pseudo history, <laughs> sort of sort of history. And, um, you know, we we come with him as an adult and he is he has found he has gotten farther than than his family has before him he's found a benefactor who believes in him and is you know going powers of the internet going on this journey to find the treasure with him and so he's got the resources he's managed to find the to solve the first clue the one clue that they had been keeping you know in the family for all these generations and he has has you know, solve this riddle and it leads to another riddle. And that riddle leads to the Declaration of Independence, that there's a treasure map <laughs> on the back of the Declaration of Independence. And at that point, we find out that his benefactor is actually a bad guy. And the bad guy is going to completely disregard the historical importance of the document and he's just going to go steal it. So. Nicholas Nicolas Cage. Cage is going to steal it first. <laughs> <laughs> and after, and hijinks ensue. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Very much so, yes. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, what was our uh, – let's hear some scores. Uh, so our composite uh, score for National Treasure is a 7.5. Right. Uh, so fairly high. Yeah. Um, there, there are definitely some technical things in there that we dinged it for, though, interestingly, not consistently around the board. No, no, there's going to be some entertaining discussion. We all found different things that we liked and didn't like. Uh, but for entertainment value, our composite score there, separate from kind of the technical analysis. So, so we're kind of trying to say, Hey, maybe this technically isn't a great film. But there's I mean, a lot of people. Seven, in, seven and a half out of ten, still pretty. It's good. Still pretty good. Well, and, but, the, and just just for clarification, um, there are four pillars of, yes, of and rubric and um, uh, critique that we use, which mm-hmm. is spectacle, performance, score, and plot. Yeah, right. And then separate from that, because again, there are potential for some movies that are pretty bad, but maybe really entertaining. May still be worth a watch, even though just don't take it too seriously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we have a, a separate entertainment score. Uh, which again, it's a composite of the three of ours, Im- our impressions. And what is that, Joel? That came out to an 8.3. So it, it, it does certainly improve from an entertainment perspective versus the technical aspect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The the movie itself is actually really fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's definitely my, my favorite Nicolas Cage movie. We, uh, we did that, establish that, yeah. The, that um, <laughs> is not named The Rock, but that's a James Bond film. We've already been there. <laughs> doesn't count. Doesn't yeah, count. It do, doesn't really count. So... Uh, there, there's something about this, like it, it, it picks up on, you know, some kind of Indiana Jones style things, but then it also hits on the, the heist and mm. the, the, the MacGuffin scavenger hunt kind of like itch. Yeah. And it, and it kind of fits it into this, this very small scale uh, cast. There's only like five people that, that really actually have any talking lines in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um and it, it pairs it with a really good like cast and um uh the chemistry is yeah the chemistry is really high between all the characters and there's lots of good little like quips and Mm -hmm. uh, one-liners uh the only thing that really does doesn't really do it for me is the climax of the film 
Um, it's just the, like the action sequences just never really were that interesting. Didn't everything really else, him. everything else around it was really interesting. Mm. Yeah. I, I would say that setting this in the backdrop of, again, it's pseudo history, but yeah. it's, it's adjacent. It, yeah. But, but it's, it's, it's still very much a, Hey kids, watch this really cool adventure. And by the way, history is pretty cool. Yeah. Right. It, it by by be, association. Yeah. And so having that particular backdrop to mm. it makes it unique and kind of, kind of elevates it. I think in terms of being, being a, a, a work that is both enjoyable and maybe not educational per se. <laughs> well, I mean, I, the, there, there's a lot of, actual history in there in yeah. terms of you know who who signed the, the declaration, declaration uh you know like the silence do good letters like all these kinds of references there there's a lot of actual history in there it's just there's also a lot of bluff history adjacent well and the thing that i like this is one of the maybe the first film that really hit a lot on the like a lot of American history mm -hmm. for the, for not like the revolutionary war, because pretty much a lot of like the, like I'll say like the Patriot and, and other films, they, they hit on when like up to the point where the declaration of independence is signed. Right. And then, Hey, everyone wins and you know, we're America. Well, everyone lives happily ever after. Yeah. yeah. And, and this kind of touches on some of the stuff that happened around that specific period of time and a little bit after it and a little bit before it. Um, where you don't really get a lot of those those details, I guess. Which yeah. you know, I mean, like again, history adjacent. Yep. Uh, it's it's going to be sensationalized at at the the nicest way possible to say yeah. it. Uh, but honestly, it was it was just a really fun film. Yeah, I mean, I, and I gotta echo what Andrew said. When the movie is a heist movie, when it's got you know the mystery elements going and kind of the puzzle elements, mm -hmm. it's phenomenal. Yeah, like it's, it's, it's really high tier. For for not being just a solely heist movie, it still handles it very well. Yeah. Uh, the second it, it tries to turn into an action well, film, no, no, actually, that's where I disagree. The small pieces of action, the car, there's a car chase in it. There's and a good. there's a car chase. There's some foot chases. Those are all pretty good. It's when it tried to scale up to a larger scale action mm -hmm. that it wasn't up to the task. But yeah. I think I think the small scale action interactions are overall pretty good. Yeah. Uh, and again, yeah, we get exposed to a lot of history and history adjacent. You know, I have, so actually, I don't know if, I think Andrew knows, I don't know if Joel knows or not. So I have a watch at home and it's a, you know, hundred year old watch mm -hmm. that was given to like my great, great grandfather when he retired as a past master of a Freemason. And so it's one of those things where you're like, oh, now I pick it up and look at it like, you got a map in there? You want to take me somewhere? Yeah. You know, a little gold. Yeah, uh, but it's just it's it is fun in the sense that you kind of get history in a more entertaining format where they they actually cram in a ton of historical references. Yeah. So speak, speaking of historical well, references, I I dropped the name of the character or the the historical figure who supposedly gave this family. Yeah the the yeah, secret yeah and then i got thinking about it and was like i'm not sure that name is right no, and wasn't. so i was i it's not right so yeah. just just you have the right name it was i think 
<laughs> I'm really unsure at this point. <laughs> well, well, you said Lewis Carroll. I was like, well, the author? <laughs> Alice in Wonderland. I didn't want to like fall down the hole because at the same time, I was, I was like, like, I knew his surname was Carroll and I was grasping. Yeah. Well, well I was like, I, I don't know if I can actually dispute you. Yeah. But at the same time, it's I was like, like the author. <laughs> Well, like I'm like I watched the movie today, like earlier today, and I was like, yeah, that sounds fine. <laughs> Close enough. Yeah. Well, I, you know, someone, someone will correct us later. I'll let it slide. Then, oh, Joel's going to correct us. Well, now I'm going to make fun of him. <laughs> What's the name? Uh, well, <laughs> there, there was a. Charles Carroll, who signed the Declaration of Independence. So maybe that was We'll him. go with that. Yeah. Close <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> oh, Lord. So, I mean, that, I think that pretty well breaks it down. As we head into the intermission, you don't need to be a Freemason to see the treasure trove of content tucked away in our Patreon. We have tiers for show notes, free show recordings, and even listen in live, all on patreon.com slash spoilers intended podcast. You just have to follow the clues. Alrighty, everyone, and welcome back. Hope you enjoyed a little intermission. We are now... Past the revolution, and it's all spoilers ahead. <laughs> <laughs> that was a really weak tie-in to don't national you, treasure. Don't you judge me. <laughs> I always judge you. I mean, you. we could be in the he vault, and it could be all least, the balloons ahead. He at least knows who Lewis Carroll is. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, you said it, and I, I, seriously, I was just like, that's an author. I hope that's also the guy's name, because that's hilarious. <laughs> I won't challenge it. Uh, uh, so we we earlier we gave our uh comprehensive score of 7.5 yeah so now it's time to break it down a little our first category is spectacle so this is kind of the wow of the movie how uh, did it hit yeah like how did it look uh how did the, Some the visual action sex pieces work cgi you know anything cinematography, like that. cinematography yeah that's a that's a big factor especially for this one I think that's gonna mm -hmm. be a big factor uh and i'm gonna hand it off to joel Okay, so I gave Spectacle an 8 out of 10. All right, that's a solid, respectable start. I thought that for the most part, the action sequences were were quite engaging. Yeah, when, when they were small scale. Uh, particularly the car chase, mm -hmm. kind of kind of right after the, the first main heist sequence. Mm -hmm. And they're, you know, the bad guys grab up the the female lead who at, the, at that Abigail point chase. in time... And that is her it's name. In a, it's in a chase. Yep, that's happening. <laughs> anyway, they <laughs> uh, they grab her up because they think that she has the Declaration of Dependence, well, which you think which she we has, which we yeah. do at the time too. Um, but our protagonist was two steps ahead. <laughs> but anyway, but he they give chase anyway because you know obviously there's a person in danger, and so they're just trying well, to it's it's the uh, you know it's the girl. It is the girl, but. Well, it's they, also they also like, need to chase to make him think that that's that's yeah. the declaration. So anyway, I I was framing it completely differently. Oh, well, how are you framing it? It there was a person in danger. Yeah, he's doing their value he's, as he's a human right. being. He's their, doing the good, the right thing. Their value as a human being was being violated because they were not being respected 
she's and also taken. A it's it's not because she's a pretty girl in the love interest of of Ben. She wasn't the love interest yet. Uh, there was already some some. There was there was, was a little bit of chemistry. He's getting flirty. He's getting flirty. Okay, we're completely oh, off the rails. No, now. no, we're anyway. in plot now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, just like but in addition to the action sequences generally hitting pretty well, the that feeling of mystery an adventure of, of what's the next clue. Well, let's, mm-hmm. let's find the next clue. Let's figure out the next riddle was really well supported throughout the course of the film and just kind of kept it, kept it going. At yeah. A good it clip kept the, the energy time. up. Yeah. Good portion of the time. Uh, so I, I gave it a seven, um, mostly just cause I knocked it for the final action set piece of them in this bottomless pit under New York. Yes. Yeah. It was yeah. Yeah. New York. Yeah. And, and that's more in plot kind of stuff, but just the actual effects didn't look that good. No. However, I will say I did really enjoy the the large open sweeping shots of uh, Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. And um, especially whenever they're up in the Arctic and a couple of the other just just scenes that they did that were just like really wide and they give you a good, um, you know, the the score really helped with this kind of sell it sounds so silly, but America. Um, mm, it's a very patriotic film. It's a very patriotic film, but the weird, subtly patriotic. Yeah. So the weird thing is, is like normally whenever I watch films, like I'll say like The Patriot mm-hmm. or, um, or you know, just any other like um, film based in America, kind of about America, it feels more like a propaganda film than it does like an actual movie. Right. And this one doesn't really feel like that. Well, I I think that. From what you're seeing, like the Patriot, I think is a good reference because a lot of those type of hyper patriotic movies are militarily grounded. Yeah. Whereas this is more kind of a celebration of the civilians who mm-hmm. founded yeah, the who, nation who founded more so nation, than, than the, a military yeah. action. Mm-hmm. That's that's a good point. I didn't yeah. I didn't think about it. From I, that. I think I think that helps it slide past because this is ultimately it's a civilian act mm-hmm. is what it really amounted to. Yeah. Enforced uh, with a military act, but either way. Yeah. Well, and and I'll, I'll say this too, and this is this is just a um a, a good checkpoint for the directors that that did this film is this was during the time of shaky cam, and they did not oh, yes. utilize shaky cam this as this peak shaky Thank cam you so much. <laughs> um, yeah, that's worth a point at least. <laughs> yeah. I actually probably should have given it an eight for that. Well, well, you know what else we we should have given more points for. Sean Bean made it through an entire movie without dying. I'm he just sure went to he jail. dies in the second one. I don't remember the second oh, one. Oh, we're ah. not going to review the second one. <laughs> <laughs> no one's going to watch it. It's, it's just this movie. This no, movie. He, I did I did note at the end of the film, I was like, wow, he didn't die. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm pretty sure someone's done the statistics on that, and he doesn't actually die that frequent. It's just the memorable characters are the ones that die. Well, because all of the big films that he's been in, or, or series, yeah. yeah. Or series or whatever. Yeah, I mean, right. you know, Game of Thrones, yeah. Lord of the Rings. Patriot Games. Patriot Games. Th- those all immediately jumped. I actually have a hard time uh, passing. GoldenEye. That. Yeah, okay, yeah, GoldenEye is a good one. <laughs> anyway, so moving to me. Yeah. <laughs> speaking of, you gave it a seven. You should have given an extra point for no shaky cam. All right. I should have. I'm, I'm, sorry. I'm there for you. I got him with an eight. <laughs> <laughs> so I like the movie just because ultimately it's very grounded, right? Like what they do is until the end, almost entirely plausible. Yeah. Like it, it feels very believable. It, it does. And now as silly as that we'll get sense. into some of the plot issues with maybe some of the heist and there's little things that are papered over, but no one does any kind of, you know, Herculean 
uh, Marvel style. Right. Yeah. Their their physical accomplishments are not outrageous. No. And, well, and honestly, a lot of the mental stuff is kind of you know it's and, within the realm of possibility for someone yeah. that is that has dedicated pretty much their entire life to understanding yeah, the history. Right. Well, and, and I'll I'll cut, remind me. I'll come back to that in the plot. Uh, for me, maybe a little bit of a knock. The Charlotte, the the, the action that happens in the Charlotte, maybe isn't great. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could I could probably go on down a rabbit hole about how long gunpowder is actually good for uh, just, a very the, the long dryness time, of the, and, and especially in the dryness that is the Arctic yeah. or it is Arctic, right? Arctic, it's Arctic, yeah, yeah. yeah. Kind of by default, that's a dry area. Because so the way they make it out is they talk about there being an Inuit uh, encampment not far yeah, away, yeah, which. We'll get into the plot because that helps them with some other stuff. But but actually, like the actual like, do, can you survive this? The the is, smuggler hold thing is a little. It's a little. It's a little. It's a little we're, that again, we're in plot, uh, but it feels especially implausible. for such an old ship that's yeah. been there. Yeah, anyway, well, well no. that's plot. But the spectacle of it is fine. It's not great. Yeah, it's okay. The the car chase scene is a much better spectacle. It's a much more grounded, and I especially really like the bits where they're split up and they have kind of the action sequences of the individuals hiding mm-hmm. and trying to evade, you know, better trained people. They're yeah. more fit, more capable. And like the little bit, like in the, the, uh, the market, market. where mm-hmm. she gets behind the counter and has, the, <laughs> cause I, I think for that, like there's, there's a lot of tension there mm-hmm. and it's maybe not, you know, big high flying spectacle, but for the scale it's at, it's really, really well executed. Well, and you and you know that if Abigail gets caught, one, she has a declaration, but then two, like she she is no match to escape this guy if he gets his hands on her. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We've we've already seen that demonstrated yeah. essentially. Uh so I mean, for the most part, and you know, you kind of hit on it, this is very much so and you know, spectacle. I I don't want to bring up Marvel. You can't bring Star Wars into this because it's just not possible. But I don't want to bring up Marvel, <laughs> but for the most part, you know, the, the film is just the East Coast. You, know, you go from D.C. to, to Boston, mm-hmm. and that's it. That's the full scope. That is that is a day's drive at best, depending on traffic. Yeah. And for that, what we get, we get some really great shots of, like you said, D.C., uh, Independence Hall mm-hmm. in Philadelphia, and just some other small pieces of, of history that maybe, again, we kind of referenced it prior to the intermission, where it's kind of a tour of history that mm-hmm. – in a way that a lot of people aren't really exposed to. Yeah. Uh, and I think they do a really good job of presenting kind of the, cause you know, there's the joke, right? You know, well, what's old in America? Oh, a hundred years. Well, you know, what's old in Europe? Oh, you know, <laughs> a couple thousand, 500, a yeah. thousand. So yeah. they do a good job of kind of presenting some of the, the, the grandeur of mm-hmm. the history that is involved. Well, and, and kind of what, you know, the founding fathers went through to create a country essentially. Yeah. And like, like he says in the film, you know, to high treason. Because that's yeah. what it was. Well, or or even you know small moments, and it's it's not really a plot moment. I think it's really more a spectacle moment where they have a moment where he pauses because they have the declaration. Oh in yeah, that was Hall, really cool. And he's like, and he like he pauses, and they're all like, well, what? You know what? The last time this document was in this room, it was being signed. It's kind of one of those moments where it really kind of hits. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, eight. That's that's respectable, spectacle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, anyways, moving forward. On to the performance. Do we start high and go low? Do we go well, low? Well, he already start started, high? so we have to start Oh, yeah, high. we have to start high. Um, right, well, but yeah, so I'll give it to Andrew. Performances, the, the performance of the actors, uh, generally the lines that they are given, some of the writing. Uh, chemistry. Not, not it's, chemistry. It's really chemistry. If the writing's bad, it's, it's not necessarily the actor's fault. Could fall. be plot, yeah. But, you know, it's, it, it's the chemistry between everyone mm-hmm. and, and, you know. I gave it a 10. 
Um, Nicholas Cage. This, <laughs> like it, it's okay. It's so funny because like Nicholas Cage is. I mean, he's actually a pretty good actor. He's done some serious roles that um, that he actually has like some decent drama in, and he has a pretty good range. It's just he's just in a lot of films. Most of them are really bad, and yes. um, this one. I'm not going to say his perf- like his individual performance was perfect. Well, a tent. It can't get better. No, no, no. But. <laughs> <laughs> the the chemistry that he has with mm-hmm. everyone in the cast yeah. was so phenomenal where you like it's very rare that you get these films where everyone just clicks mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. he he has a really good rapport with um, with Abigail and Riley and they also can can fire back at him. Mm-hmm. And especially with because you it's kind of one of those things where you get two nerds that are interested in the same subject in the same room. Yeah. Um, and they can they can both kind of just fire away at each other with just like different little tidbits of information while also insulting the other person at the same time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's very realistic, at least to me. You know, I'm a, I'm a big nerd about a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you can get someone on that same level, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah, so well, I'm gonna I'm gonna take I'm gonna keep it keep this rolling because I also gave performance a ten. <laughs> Could not have been better. There was literally no no way yes. to improve. Do, do you know why? You hear the scorn in my voice. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't care. I don't care. It doesn't matter. I we got we got Sean Bean being a a pretty good villain. Yeah, he's, he's a, always a, a good villain. A pretty yeah. a kind of a, an implacable foe. Well, right? and the thing too I like about his character specifically is he's not he's not necessarily an evil guy. He's just He's very driven he's on just the school. A, yeah, yeah, he's like, hey, this is a lot of money. I'm just going to do whatever do, it takes. I'm going to do it. Yeah, but I'm he's gonna not going to just like kill you to kill you if he like. Well, it's yeah. also interesting the links that they went to to not have any direct. It, no one at any point said, I'm going to kill you. Yeah. yeah. Right. Even when he gave the orders to his men after, you know, as they were going to go down into the final pit. Mm-hmm. Right. And he, he turns to his men and is like, you two stay here. And if anyone comes out of here without me. Like the natural conclusion to that sentence is you shoot them. Yeah. Right. But he says, use your imagination. Yep. Right. Like that is, this is a kid's movie and we're not going to be explicit yeah. about the violence. This is, Disney. <laughs> this is very much a Disney movie. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but, but for me, you know, being great villain, pretty good, pretty good foe handles that well. And, and he and uh, Cage play off each other pretty well from the start yeah. and also throughout kind mm-hmm. of the, the sparring. Well, it's like, it's like, you know that I can't bluff. Like, yeah, we've played yeah. poker together. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so those little interactions are great. But, you know, you're already touching on it with the chemistry, but I think just the way that the core four characters, so Cage, Kruger, Bartha, and Voight, mm-hmm. all are able to play off each other, not just, and it, it does not, when you have Cage, Kruger, and Bartha together yeah and you remove cage it doesn't collapse no yeah the they, other they two still, still handle it very well with each other mm-hmm. yeah and even moments when you know uh riley bartha is, is on his own he handles himself mm-hmm. well and carries it forward and same for the other characters so like when when he's out of the scene and you don't have that foil to play off and it's just cage and kruger interacting you could have the the nerd alpha off, mm-hmm. but they also have good chemistry with other types of interaction. Yeah. And I think that that is what really sold it to me for, because I, at the end of the day, we all know this, this wasn't, you know, this isn't Schindler's list. This isn't, <laughs> this wasn't going to be high drama, but for what they had in front of them, I think they really went above 
the potential of the material. Yeah, like what what you would expect out of uh, essentially a, a mid-tier fair adventure film. Yeah, I mean this is this is essentially a movie based around a conspiracy theory. This should be <laughs> C-tier at its highest. <laughs> and I think the people involved on screen really brought it up a long ways from where it could have been. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. So, Joel, on that note. So, on that note, I'm going to bring it back down. <laughs> Calm down. Let's, 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 let's pull the patriotism down a little bit. Um, I gave it a seven. It's on, still on performance. It's still, it's still pretty good, yeah. right? Like, I mean, it's, it's I, I thought that there were a lot of points that were really worth celebrating in the performance. And it mostly had to do with the, the on-screen chemistry like you were talking mm-hmm. about. The quips were amazing. You talked about that moment where... Uh, Nicholas Cage is is his is just dumbstruck in awe of having brought the Declaration of Independence back to Independence Hall, yeah. Independence Hall, and like this is the first time in since it was signed that it's been back. He's just standing there in awe of this, and Riley's just like, "You're stupid. We don't have any time. Let's <laughs> like, just, we need, can we <laughs> please move yeah. on here?" Well, like, <laughs> almost actually kind of wonder because you know a lot of films you can hear you know behind the scenes oh that was ad lib i almost do wonder if cage was like so set in being who he was that he had a, like an off script where he was like wait 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 and like the other people are like breaking characters like what like what's going on mm-hmm. and like it's literally uh riley's actually being like dude you're wasting film yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but there, there were a lot of little moments like that so like like all of that was great my biggest complaint is that there's there's this kind of side plot between Nicolas Cage and and his character's father, where his father has felt like he has he has wasted his life. He spent twenty years hunting for this treasure, mm-hmm. gotten nowhere. He no longer thinks that it's real. He he thinks that he's he's wasted his life, and his son is now throwing his life away all all for a sham. And so that has not only affected the father's identity as a member of this family because like that's kind of their family's whole that's deal the, their shtick yeah yeah um and so there it definitely because we we get we get you know hints that 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 definitely damaged his father's relationship with the grandfather mm-hmm. um but we also see that it's damaged the father's relationship with the son and so there's an estrangement there because the the father has given up on this dream and so at the end of the the climax when they find the treasure and the father kind of has this, this turning point of no, no, you were right. And I'm so glad that you were right there. That scene just felt really kind of skimmed through and there wasn't any sort of pathos or drama brought to this point, which was, which was the, the conclusion of the father's arc and the resolution of the tension, but, between this really important father-son relationship. And so that's fair. I I can, I can definitely understand that. Um, I can't agree with it. Well, well, no, it's not even that I don't agree with it uh, because it does feel a little rushed, but I think some of the earlier scenes, whenever they go to his house and they're like, before he realizes that it's the declaration of Mm -hmm. independence is what they have. You can tell that he's kind of like, you can definitely tell that he's interested in what yeah, they're no, doing. He can't. He can't keep that curiosity down. Yeah, because he, he, he spent to, a lot to, of time to put his nose in and say, "Well, you need a reagent." And all yeah, this, yeah. He, he spent a lot of time of his life, you know, obviously trying to follow this, and then he, you know, he he realized his limitations, or you know, just that it was. He felt like it was a dead end, and then 
uh, obviously in the process of that, he estranged his, his son, his grandparent, his grand, his, his father, father his sorry, father, excuse yeah. me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, I'm assuming his wife, which is why she's not there. And, you know, so you do have those little tidbits here and there of him kind of accepting that, that what his son is involved in is actually much larger than what he expected it to be. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, and you get a little bit of that too with the, with, when he first goes to the house, you have the initial interaction between them. His dad, I found the Charlotte and the, the spark goes off yep. for his dad. Like the Charlotte, it was a ship. Like, oh, you solved one of the puzzles. I couldn't, mm-hmm. you were there. Like you touched it. And then he says, well, so you found, well, no, I didn't find it. Found, and then he reverts back to yeah, form. Yeah, well, it's just another it's clue. just another, you know, endless chase, yada, yada, yada. And so I really appreciate that part of it. Mm-hmm. And I can see kind of what you're saying. And it may be that I just kind of glossed past it because the prior action sequences were a big letdown. <laughs> and then you hit this point, oh, cool, we get, we get a little bit of payoff of something. Well, yeah. <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I can see it. Um, I don't think it it's worth you know three could, points. That could make of it a, like a nine, or maybe an eight. a nine, yeah. right? But like in order to get, <laughs> Joel's order, like, we have standards. In order to get above an eight, like you've got to be outstanding. It was pretty outstanding. It was pretty outstanding. I, it was standing out. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, especially looking back at, at at the end of the day, the baseline material that was in front of them of we're doing a conspiracy theory where you're stealing the Declaration of Independence ahead of someone else so they won't steal mm-hmm. it. Like, the, like, when you boil the plot down, like you read the synopsis for uh, next, they're pretty stupid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think they really, really elevate that. So that's, that's, yeah, that's going to be my mm-hmm. justification just yeah. going yeah. forward. It's okay. not just that Nicolas Cage is hilarious. <laughs> <and> whatever. <Yeah. laughs> so, so we're moving on to the score of the score. I'm going to score that score. So this is the music and maybe its emotional impact. How well does it work with the movie? Does it fight the movie, et cetera? Does it sell the message? So Joel, you went last. Mm-hmm. So we're going to give it to you first. All right. Fantastic. I'm going to drag it, it down again. Oh, we're going to go with a six, six out of 10. Ooh. Um, I, I felt that, okay. So there, there was not any point. This is above a five, right? There was not any, <laughs> Better than average. was not any point at which the, the score was actively fighting against the emotional tone of the scene. True. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, however, the the composition was really, really felt dated. And and to be honest, it reminded me of like procedural cop shows from the late 90s and early 2000s. It was just <laughs> exactly that style. It had a little bit of that. Yeah. No, it, it was of, it, of of musical composition. Yeah. And it just like <laughs> as soon as I noticed that I couldn't stop noticing that. So, and it was just really annoying. <laughs> So one of the one of the big things uh, that that I kind of pointed out to with that is whenever they're in the midst of of figuring out the next clue, mm-hmm. it has this kind of like little like quick high tones that are like little, yeah. little, little puzzle music, yeah. yeah. And it's just like wow, this is literally just NCIS. Yep. Yeah. Yep. It's whenever they're doing something sciency. That's, yep. that's that music. Yeah. That's they're, just, they're, <laughs> they're hacking with everyone's on the same keyboard yep. typing. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Um, it goes faster with uh, more fingers. No, God. <laughs> good, good note though. The, the actual main theme of the the movie is actually quite good. Um, with like the the big American style like trumpets and horns. Mm-hmm. What would um, you end up giving it? I gave it a seven. Mm-hmm. I mean, like uh, mostly for the same kind of stuff. It, it was a relatively generic for the time kind of thing, especially whenever you you look at two thousand three. So one year before this, 
um, and you have Pirates of the Caribbean, which has oh, yeah. one of the one of the most fantastic such a good score. oh, yeah. scores like the Disney has ever done. It's it's uh, that's a really harsh comparison. <laughs> well, no, but <laughs> that, I mean, yeah, like, that's a that's a that's rarefied air now. But that but that was that was done in the produced around the same time no, yeah. period. No, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So so I mean, like it's there, a fair comparison, it's just harsh. <laughs> yeah, like so there 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 are some things that you know they clearly missed out on. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. but I also to just like a lot of the, the tone, like the action scenes is what really took it out of me. Like the actual, um, music for, for action set pieces just didn't really do anything. It mm-hmm. was su- like m- more like less than generic. If yeah, that it, makes, it, yeah. it just didn't add much. Yeah. It didn't add anything to yeah. it, but I do like the, the actual main theme I really liked a lot. Yeah. So I also gave it a seven. And my justification for a little better than average is because I, I'm, I'm fitting in with most of y'all's points here. It, it, it had its moments, but there are moments where either it just was too generic or it may be too understated. Mm-hmm. And you just didn't get the full impact you could have gotten if the music had kind of built into the scene. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, listening through it again today, just, just the soundtrack or whatnot, I did notice. So when you listen to, you know, Ben's main theme mm-hmm. and then when you hit the main theme for the Declaration of Independence. Yes, the document has its own theme. Yep, it does. It is weaved in with Ben's theme. Yeah. And I think that that was a really great play just Mm. for how incredibly, inextricably tied together his family is to this piece of history and how much respect he has for it. Mm -hmm. I mean, yes, he steals it, but he steals it. He steals it. To someone else from stealing it. And he also, you know, he also has a, an entire clean room setup that, you know, whatever technical jargon they throw out is enough for uh, Abigail Abigail to go, oh, as in you're not complete moron. Yeah. <laughs> well, there may have been some thought ahead of this. Well, yeah. and, you know, and that's that's a paramount to his character and that we're kind of moving into plot here. Uh, but just because well, he, anyway, he so. knows that um, uh, that Ian is, if he gets his hands on it, he is going to just brutalize this document. He's not going to treat it with respect. Yeah, he's not going to treat it with respect. And, you know, obviously uh, Ben's motivation is never to actually do any harm, one, to America, but then two, to the Declaration of Independence, which he he holds so incredibly dear, especially because one of his family, but then two, you know, it's like like this is what he's kind of like spent most of his life you know kind of like searching for yeah well on on those notes we're just going to go ahead and move right into the plot and andrew you were kind of going so i'm gonna (laughs) let you keep going uh i give it a six (laughs) it's um it's pretty uh there's not even leaps in logic of whenever they're trying to figure out you know the next clue Mm -hmm. um it's really the the final the final place where they find the the treasure room and like the the big shaft of how they got you know all these antiquities and gold and everything like that into this this you know chamber yeah buried under new york city is is just so absurdly implausible Mm -hmm. that there is there is not one one person that had ever built any infrastructure in the entire city they they did there was a line of dialogue about that the, yeah, where that it was, like, oh, it was under a graveyard. Yeah, um, but then even even then, like they run like whenever they're building like subways and all these other kind of infrastructures, like they do geological surveys to see how well, deep and how how well um, these. Hold on now, hold on now. One of the big premises here, and and it's it's 
reference with the FBI, you know, the agent in charge who is a Freemason, mm-hmm. is the fact that the Freemasons as an organization still have enough power and pull that they could potentially be influencing this, right? Like this they, FBI they could, agent they could be got put it. got put in charge of this. So for all we know, you know, Port Authority in New York is just lousy with Freemasons, and it's just well, we just have never <laughs> put infrastructure across this block. Yeah, you know, like no, that's still I mean, like for this kind of conspiracy theory, that kind of control is is reasonable. And and that's kind of my other that was kind of my other big knock was the fact that all the people that built this massive chamber and everything like that, like there you're you're telling me that there is not one person in history that hasn't told someone else what what it was. Well, they did. That's how this whole story got started. Was the one person in history who was, was not Lewis Carroll? Well, no, but like all the all the all the workers and and all that other you know like everyone that like like normal people that worked on this. I mean, it's a bottomless pit, Andrew. We could take the Atlantis approach. There's just bones down. <laughs> you don't know. No, I mean, I mean that's always that's always a fair ar- fair argument of oh, we built this massive complex. Well, how can we possibly not have people you know leak or snitch well, or you whatever? That's what you well, do. Well, well, that or you know they they think they're building it for something else. Entirely possible, and or, then they somehow just, sneak in. You know, yeah. Or you just have really committed group. Yeah, absolutely. And, I, mean, I mean, there's there's maybe a little implication in that because you know the Knights Templar don't really have the most shining of reputations when you go back and you look at the actual crusade. Actual, yeah. And they kind of gloss over that by saying, "Well, this group splintered off from them," and you know took the treasure across the ocean. Mm-hmm. So the implication here is this is like, you know, the, the most, pe- the the most dedicated guys. of the dedicated. Yeah. No, no, no. You're completely glossing over the one line of dialogue that explains all of it. Oh, Lord. Okay. Riley's like, it's exactly the same way they built the pyramid. Oh, yes. Aliens. The aliens, the aliens helped them. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Why not? Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, like, other than that, like, it didn't, like, I know Joel has some, some, plot points on the actual heist yeah. of the Declaration of Independence. That didn't really bother me at all. No. Uh, it was it it was kind of one of those things where it was it felt more of like a motif of a heist film than an actual heist film where you need to have logic, like like specific logic of like how you were going to do I mean things. I mean I would I would argue and this is like like I think that if you're going to do something, you can do something with less detail because it's just not needed. Mm-hmm. But like it's still you still need to do it as quality as you can, regardless of the application. Okay. Like like I take the same look at uh, children's movies, right? Mm-hmm. Like you can make you can make perhaps a simpler story for a child, but it still needs to be a real story. It do, you, if you just water it down and make it dumb then it's it's trash it's not worth anything mm-hmm. so like i i i don't buy the well it's not supposed to be the 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 gold standard thing so there's no standard i i, I okay i mean that's okay, well, 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 what well, yeah what are your, your what are your some score okay so my score on plot is a 6 okay well, that's that's in line with andrew yeah i mean and let's so like we're not we're not fundamentally disagreeing on i mean this is this is we're we're getting the same result through different paths here yeah. again but uh the 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 kinds of things that I had a problem with with the um, the heist on had to do with just just it felt like shortcutted details right like they started out with the whole I'm going to give her this button that I know that she's been looking for so I know she'll accept it because it's the one thing out of her collection that she's missing and I'm going to coat that with this 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 ink this invisible ink right 
that's great. That's fine. It, it makes a lot of sense. It's mm-hmm. well thought out. They give a lot of character motivation for why she would not yeah. refuse this and, and, would, and she and would handle says it to him. Well, normally I would have to reject it, but I just couldn't. Yeah. yeah Cause I really want like, it. like, like <laughs> he hit the tone. Like this is the kind of thing, like he knows what she yeah. wants. And so, so getting the, the fingerprints off of the, the wine glass or the champagne flute that, that, that played, that played really well. Um, but the problem is that wasn't the only thing he needed. He needed the fingerprint to get past the biometric scanner and then he needed her password. Mm-hmm. And so he goes to the keyboard and he's like, okay, so what buttons did she hit? If she had hit the shift key even once, he is out of luck. Yeah. No, no. It's, 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 it's really interesting to see the that. U.S. government at work where it's like, I need your thumbprint to get in the elevator. But when you get down here. Yeah, you know, like 10 letters will do. No numbers, well, no special characters. Yeah, well, yeah. well, hold on. I'm just going to I'm going to interject here. This is 2004. Yeah, there's this a is, lot of is, technology that is not nearly there. Technology is still kind of on the way up for like the internet and yeah. everything. So there's a lot more analog stuff. And so there social engineering wasn't as big of a thing as it is now. Mm-hmm. Where like, you know, like here, you know, I I go and sign up for, you know, just a random t-shirt website and I have to put in, you know, 10, 15 characters oh gosh, with it's special characters yeah. and capitals. Like those standards were not commonplace back then. So someone, now granted government agency, you <laughs> no, know, no, like no, the standards didn't exist back then. Just, <laughs> but, but, didn't yeah. Exist. So like the standards didn't well, exist. Well, I mean, it, as far as standards is concerned, there's blatant tailgating um, at, at the beginning there too, like right after they've done the thing with the laser to get the, the heat sensor to go off. Right. And so like, that was actually pretty good. Like I liked yeah, that part yeah, of it. Yeah, like yeah. we're, we're going to force the document into this less secure area so mm-hmm. we can get access to it. So that was great. But then like she, as the doctor in charge of preservation of this particular document, she has uh, been summoned to come inspect and just see what's going on. Yeah. And so she comes in and she does her password which and registers with the system that she has passed through this door. And the other doctor that's walking with her just passes right in with her. So like there is no security <laughs> standard there whatsoever. <laughs> like there's no yeah. scanning of I key mean, cards. There's, there's nothing. I mean, I mean it, it is a government it is agency, fun, right? You're like, you're like back up into that era. Right. So I'm, I'm in college at that point, 2004. I don't mm. know if you were, uh, no, I was still in high school. Okay. Uh, so, so at Auburn and I don't know what the standard was when, when you were there, but your, your student ID number was your social security number. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and and Auburn did not protect that data in any way, shape, or form. And it was a huge scandal, like 2010, 2011, because like it had it, had, it was just you know a database that's just sitting there, mm-hmm. and it's just student names and their social security numbers, and that was just kind of security attitudes back then. Yeah. It's like, like like it just didn't exist. No because... one no one expected that kind of attack really mm-hmm. or for that data to really be that valuable. Yeah. And then surprise, turns out your identity is. Pretty, pretty important. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what else? So, um, so the, the other, and this is, this is the biggest one yet. Um, and that is that, uh, so, so the things that are going on is that they've got the gala that's happening upstairs. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it's timed that way specifically so that the guards have a lot to distract them. That's yeah, a lot going on. Yeah. So that's great. They have specifically engineered a situation where the document that they're trying to get will be placed in the least secure location it has ever held. That's fine. They they did it in a way that made sense. Yep. Um, they get in there with some, you know, Wibbly, we already talked about that. But when he finally gets to the room, all of the texts that Dr. Chase has said 
these are the steps I want performed on the document, and then leaves are not there. The document is in the whoa, room whoa, whoa, by whoa. itself. Whoa, hold on, hold on, whoa, hold on, hold on. I'm gonna stop you right there. That might be the most realistic depiction of government work. <laughs> <laughs> is it after five? Yeah, going home. So, but like that is the, true. But but I mean, the honestly, whole, what they said, their setup was it is only in this room while it's being worked on. But you, you got the gala going on. Everyone's distracted. I mean, I, honestly, all of the that, techs aren't going to the gala either way. No, they're going home because they're government <laughs> workers. Like it's it's funny because, like, from my perspective, is it like the most? You know, I love heist movies. Mm-hmm. Is it the most well developed heist? No. no, but every for the most part, everything they do, it feels fairly earned, right? In terms of. Well, how are they getting the footage to be able to hide his presence? Well, like you, you, you see, see him do you that. see physical hacking, which yeah, is yeah, that's something fair. that, uh, especially in modern TV shows, movies, we don't really get much of where, you know, one of the big keys to how do you hack a system is location mm-hmm. by being in a specific place, you gain access that you wouldn't normally get from a home computer. Whereas most modern things, they just smash the keyboard really fast and say, I'm in. And that just means they hack this. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Well, and, and you couldn't make. A film like this with the same kind of plot points that they use be anymore because a lot of these places are now all digital for for their security systems mm-hmm. and everything. It's not analog anymore where you can't just tap in with a little – it's not war games where you can literally take your phone and then listen to the modem signal of, you know, whatever. Still, still one of the best hacking movies ever made. Yeah. Mostly because it's all realistic. Anyways, uh, I, I, I'm going to jump in and give a score. Yeah. So y'all gave it sixes. Shame, shame, shame. I gave it an eight. <laughs> so, Why did you give it an eight? Well, so so this is one of those things where, you know, overall the plot's pretty tight. Like we don't have any crazy leaps. We don't have any crazy no. stuff. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I can, you know, and especially from a, a, you know, pandemic perspective of, oh yeah, sure. She got the coin and of course she's going to fondle it, which is not what a preservation historical person would do with something that is just by definition 200 plus years old yeah Yeah. uh and then she's like never gonna wash her hands not gonna wash her hands so so that one it's a little all the way from going to the gala where she's probably more than likely going to take a shower the gala's fine because the fingerprint he put something on the glass is my under would be how i'd interpret it's not it's not playing off the invisible ink it's him specifically presenting her this glass that he has had the chance while he got the champagne. Oh yeah, because he to, put the invisible link on so he could see the, where the she typed. Yeah. yeah, makes sense. Uh, but but it is still a bit of a leap to say. Well, maybe it's just really strong invisible ink, and she did wash her hands, mm-hmm. you know, before. But it's it's a very tight timing window to be able to say, okay, cool. Uh, you know, she's received the package, and now we've triggered the alert on the document, and now it's going down to the vault, and yeah. now she has to go, and she has no. You know, it's just rush, rush, rush. We have a problem. She has no chance to wash her hands or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so I can let that one kind of slide. I think for me, uh, we're going to ignore the the massive semi fight slash scramble over 200 year old wood supported by rope. That is also 200 years, or at least as far as I know, the Freemasons aren't climbing down and sort of restoring this because if they are, they're doing a terrible job <laughs> uh, that, that is precipitated by you know, one of the henchmen stepping through a plank and it shatters and he falls the whole way through through multiple 
And then everyone else like drops, you know, half a story and lands on solid footing and it mm-hmm. doesn't, you know, because yeah. they were important to the plot and the henchman was not. <laughs> you know, well, we let you need, that one You slide. needed to have an example of the, the, of the danger. Yeah. But plot wise, that's weak. Any of this, like, we're going to investigate this, you know, old historical site and all of the mechanical gears that are powered by wooden pulleys and ropes. Whenever those, that's always just kind of, okay, yeah. We're, we'll let that one slide. We just have to assume that it was a very dry climate there. It is New York. I it know. It is not that's dry. That's why <laughs> the port there's the city. joke. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but like, so it's, it's weird too because there are all these really small things that I really, really liked that they did in the movie. So we'll hit on, we'll hit on pet peeve, Stephen pet peeve number one. Uh, when he first gets the uh, pipe in the Charlotte and he's going to reveal the lettering on the stem mm-hmm. and he cuts his finger for the blood to smear it on there. Don't right? do it on your thumb, man. Well, but you know what? Every other movie in Hollywood, he would have ran that thing right across his palm. <laughs> that is very true. And he didn't. And I was like, you know what? All right. We're, we're going to, we're going to appreciate this for a Cause like straight up, you know, one of, one of our cats scratched me in a slightly inconvenient place on my palm and not a very deep scratch, not that big a deal. Man, it has been the biggest pain for the last week. <laughs> so like any of these actors who are just, oh, you just slash, slash, slash. stop. Hollywood, stop doing that. So I'll, I'll appreciate them yeah. for that. Uh, another small thing that I really, really liked was because I think they did a good job of kind of developing the uh, relationship between uh, Abigail and Ben. Yeah. Because, I mean, it's a little weird, you know, her, her transition is, is a little strange, mm-hmm. but I think the way that they showed it visually was really, really good. So you have the scene where they're in the van after they've escaped Ian, they can't go back to his place because it's, you know, the FBI's there FBI's now. FBI's going to be yeah, there because, because, he, had because to use, he had to use his credit card. Which, yep. which is another thing that we'll, I'll get to. I, I got to talk positive here. Y'all been talking negatives. Um, <laughs> and, you know. She keeps interrupting. Like, look, if I hand, if I let you hold the declaration, will you be quiet? Perfect. Awesome. <laughs> wonderful. So, of course, now she has everything she wants and the means to escape. So, big point number one, we get the camera looks of her looking around saying, can I make this run? Number two, we get the focus on her feet and she is taking off her high heels mm-hmm. yep. for running. So, we're being super practical about what is necessary to actually run away. And also we get this, this really great thing that's going to show up a little later where it's, well, what is she doing? What is she actively doing with her physical self, her feet? She's escaping, right? That's her mm-hmm. goal. And then, you know, of course, he catches her. It doesn't happen. Well, then we get, go forward a little later where, hey, this conspiracy is becoming more and more plausible in her world. And they're at the, the store because they, they need a change of clothes. And they're kind of, you know, just talking with each other. They're kind of having, you know, the kind of the discussion of their past mm-hmm. and this kind of thing. And there is a moment where, you know, they're discussing these things and she tells, oh, well, you know, you know, people don't talk like that. And he goes, yeah, but they think like that. They just don't want to be, they don't want to reveal that to other people. And she leans in towards him. And again, they put the camera down towards her feet. And it's now it's not what her feet are doing to run away. It's what are her feet doing to move towards him. Mm-hmm. I think that was actually a really great little piece mm-hmm. of visual storytelling within the plot that lets you see like her shift in attitudes where it's not just kind of random out of nowhere. Oh, they kiss. Oh, they're in love. What? Yeah. You had mm-hmm. a, a nice development. Yeah, well, so I'll, I'll give them points for that. Well, I mean, even, even more than the development, like it's, it's just from a, a interest perspective, mm-hmm. they're a really great match, right? Because like yeah. they have both devoted their lives to basically the same thing. 
Yeah, and they have and, the same interests. Yeah, et and and so like if it was not for the fundamental conflict that ultimately brought them together, then their their casual meeting was likely to end up in on friendly terms even quicker. Right. Yeah. Uh, and now I'm trying to think of what my other bit was. Credit card. Yes. Awesome. Thank you. <laughs> uh, so one, I we love take Visa. Yeah. Well, one, yeah, best product placement or one of the smoothest product placements done in movies, modern movies, take note, it's plot relevant. Come on, people. Don't tell me that he's hiding behind the Audis just because you have to say the word Audi. (laughs) Uh, He's hiding behind the Audis over there. Nobody says that. They say the car. It's a car. The black car at best. Anyways. uh, So he doesn't go into the gift shop with any real plan other than, Oh, she can't like like I've I've been suspicious. She's totally on to me. I, I can't be seen, right? Yeah. And then he gets, you know, the the store clerk, you know, gets onto him because he's he's got the real declaration of independence. He's trying to hide it in his jacket. And she's like, Are You trying to steal that? And he's, <laughs> he's like, like, Oh, uh, yeah. Oh <laughs> no. Yeah. So that's the so we already have like a really great humor moment in this. But then we actually have the plot bit of when well, I has to pay for it. And he is desperately like, Can I put enough cash? together to not use my credit card and be on the freaking grid yeah. for this and just give myself away. And he can't like, he just, he just has $32, you know, yep. you know we're, we're headed towards. And, and, and he's society. out of options because if she decides that, that she's going to raise a stink, he doesn't get away. Yeah. Well, like, like she is now the biggest obstacle to this heist, like all this high tech shenanigans and like, dude, you didn't bring enough cash. Like you could be stopped here. Yeah. Well, what's funny too, is that more than likely if he would have, cause he's at a gala, like this is a special event mm-hmm. and he probably, if he would have approached her and be like, Hey, I only have $32. I'd like to buy a replica of the declaration of independence. I know it's 35. Would you, you know, you know, spare me three bucks, yeah, maybe. but because he was already looking suspicious. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like there's no recourse at that point. Yeah. Well, well, but what's also great here is, when we get a little further, right, and we have the car chase scene and the real declaration is safe because we have the switcheroo, right? He didn't go into that gift shop with the purpose of I should get a duplicate mm-hmm. to throw off the, the trail. He literally only did it to duck out. And it was once he became committed to the point of I have to use my credit for this. It was like in for a penny, in for a pound. If I'm going to have to do this, I'm going to get some value out. Like he actually has really great logic of I have to buy one while well, I'll buy two. And now at least I can sort of say, well, I have a, a duplicate maybe I'm, I'm mm-hmm. obfuscating my path and then actually pays off for him. Mm-hmm. So I really, really like the way those kind of small pieces kind of build up in and become relevant to the plot. Uh, and, and like, again, you know, I already called it like this, this really and truly at writing at premise should be a C tier movie. And it's interesting how these little, little pieces keep kind of stacking up, or at least for me to being, to making it really more. Yeah. Again, like, up to up to like honestly like like there's very rarely a time where you know like I don't actively seek out the film, but whenever someone's like, "Hey, let's watch National Journal," like, Heck yeah, let's yeah. go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, Lauren and I put it on literally last night. Like it was like we're driving home. I was like, "Oh man, I need to watch that movie," and we put it on. And, you know, we're watching, and she's sitting there. She's like, "You know, this is really entertaining more than I you know just remember." Yeah. It's like, yeah, this is always just it's a just good a, movie. it's just a fun movie to watch. Yeah, which. You know, I talked a lot on plot. I don't know if you'll have anything more. I didn't want to just there was there was one there. final point that just kind of this is going back to the negative. Uh, well, I, I was I was really positive, yeah. so go for but, it. But but rounding it out with the FBI agent being revealed in the last moment to be a Freemason himself and mm-hmm. and really sympathetic to Nicolas Cage's character's 
position and journey just felt so unearned. You know, you talked about mm-hmm. everything feeling earned, like they did things and they took steps and, and, you know, regardless of, of like the little holes that, that you could poke in that, you know, there was, there was at least there was, there was effort and there was payoff. Right. Whereas this felt like, well, this is a kid's movie and we don't want any of the people we like to suffer consequences for the fact that they did illegal things. So we're just going to do this instead. <laughs> well, no, I mean, but like, you know, like he said, someone's got to go to prison. Yeah. And, and, and luckily they had the, the known and, whereabouts and of where it, Ian was going to and be. And it was the kind of movie where all the bad guys end unhappily and all the good guys end happily. And, yeah. you know, so like, like that occurred and I accept that. <laughs> but <laughs> but it, I don't agree it could have been, a, it could have been a little earned. No, I, I, so I actually agree with you because knowing that that scene was coming up earlier when he's addressing the crowd at the gala. I was looking at his hands and I'm, you know, I, we could do like a deep dive, zoom in, enhance, <laughs> but I see if he had it on almost positive. He was not wearing a uh, ring on yeah. the, the pink. Yeah. There's like his pinky finger. Yeah. It like, so, you know, there it's a miss. It doesn't, yeah. it doesn't bother me. And I mean, I still gave it a six for plot, but, um, I mean, it didn't really bother me mm-hmm. that much, but I mean, I, I definitely agree too. Yeah. Like it's, it's definitely one of the, it's probably one of the only things in the film that don't really feel earned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, all right, I, I got to get another positive in just because you you're dinging me here. You're dinging <laughs> we, we can talk about entertainment score now. We, we can actually, you know, what? I I can put it into entertainment. I can put it into entertainment. But I'm gonna let somebody else start it. I gave, no one's taking. I gave point. entertainment an eight. Yeah, that's uh, solid. I I like stated in other um, casts, uh, a a movie needs to be at least at an eight or higher for me to rewatch it, mm-hmm. um, or a series or whatever. Um, or willfully rewatch it. I mean, I'll, I'll still watch other things that I don't like, but, um, this, this is definitely one of those films where, you know, like I said, just a minute ago, like I'll watch it. You know, someone, someone's like, Hey, let's watch national treasure. Like, heck yeah, let's go. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, you know, I've, I've seen it a handful of times now. It's always fun. Yeah. Like it's, um, you know, like I, and I'm not, I'm not a big U S history buff, especially not the, the revolutionary war. Mm-hmm. And um, I always find a lot of, you know, I understand it's history adjacent, but it's just fun thinking about some of that kind of like conspiracy stuff with like all the founding fathers and whatnot. It's always fun. Well, especially once you start throwing around terms like Freemasons and Knights yeah. Templar, you, you open up all you kinds of You got the Illuminati and, yeah. and all, you know. Joel? Well, I, you know, I've, I've been pretty critical uh, yeah. at this point. <laughs> That's fair. Throwing around some, some lower than average numbers, uh, but I'm going to, I'm going to throw an eight down. Here for yeah, entertainment, well, like it is, it is for all of the 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 nits that I picked and the holes that I poked. It is, it's it's a really fun ride. Yeah, um, it keeps the energy up. It keeps you engaged in the mysteries that are being presented to the major characters. Uh, the stakes remain high, like they're well scaled stakes for the whole thing, and so you're you're just really entertained throughout. Yeah, I think that's a great point that it, that it it moves along. It keeps you engaged because you, you have a couple of quote unquote slow moments in the movie, but they don't feel like they slow the movie down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so I gave it a nine and I, you know, I think it's, it's still, it's really fun. You know, I've rewatched it quite a number of times at this point uh, because well, you know, partly I, I do, I really like history. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I think y'all know that. Uh, and it is, it is definitely history adjacent, but there is a <laughs> lot of fun 
tidbits and stuff thrown out there and little factoids and whatnot. I love I love the moment when Riley gets his moment to know the thing about oh, his yeah, yeah. And, and again, it's one of those things where this is quips and interactions and it's a hundred percent plot relevant. Mm-hmm. And like I again, that's I think that was that like, kind uh, of thing. Is this what it feels like all the time for you guys? Yeah. Like, like, just just say it. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> we don't have time for this, Riley. Yeah. Uh but like or like small stuff, because it's it's again, it's fun to look at this movie now because you know it's 17, 18, oh gosh, 18 years no, don't say past that. its point. <laughs> and like the like you mentioned earlier, some of the things that you do, like technology just would not allow now. Yeah. You could not you could get away with it for an hour or mm-hmm. a day, tops. Whereas, you know, at that point, technology was limited enough that I mean you could be untra if you know if you had enough cash, you could be untraceable, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um so it's entertaining to watch stuff like, you know, when he goes off the intrepid into the Hudson and, you know, the, the agent in charge is like, do you see him? Do you see him? And then she's like, sir, it's the Hudson. <laughs> Whereas in, in a modern movie, it would be much more likely you would get some kind of, they're going to pull out the blah, 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 blah scanner. Yeah. And it's just like, this is so much, so much of a simpler thing because now suddenly we have to have an underwater fight to justify them escaping. It's just like, dude, the river is full of crap. No one can see anything on this river. All right. <laughs> just accept it, you know? Yeah. Uh, so just stuff like that, that really kind of push it through for me and, and get it up, you know, a little higher than y'all have it, but you know, eights are eights respectable. And, mm-hmm. you know, like we said earlier in the show, I think we came in with a 7.5, 7.5 on the technical review. Right. Yeah. And then the entertainment brings up to an 8.5, 8.3, 8.3. Yeah. So that's, you know, overall a lot of gains in the, in the entertainment for sure. One one more thing, and this is just kind of a small negative. Whenever they're in the treasure room and like whenever I see these films that have like the, you know, like the like uh, last or yeah, last crusade of Indiana Jones, whenever he's in the catacombs and he has, you know, like the, the, torch. the torch. Yeah. And then all these other people have these torches like, guys, everything around you is flammable. Yeah. Everything <laughs> is wood. And you have you have to be really confident and whenever you like, he lights the little the thing that lights up the whole room, so yeah, you can see that, everything. That, you're not just killing everyone. Yeah, yeah. You, you have to be real confident that there's no obstructed, you know, air air pockets. The the every nothing has been damaged to where like now you're just destroying your treasure. Mm-hmm. Like there's there's so many so many red flags Risks, like yeah. just like going up whenever <laughs> I see characters like that do that. And I'm like, stop. I know you want the money shot, but wait until you have actual electric lights. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I always love Hollywood's handling of torches because they always hold it right in front of their face. And it's like just completely destroy their vision. This is just yeah. like taking a flashlight and pointing it right back at your face. Like, I could see everything. You can't <laughs> see anything. Hold that thing up. <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, it's, it's hot at the end of the day. It's Hollywood. Oh no. I, I, I know. Yeah. It, still super entertaining movie. I'd watch it again. Yeah. But yeah, they need the big reveals. Like yeah. I have the, the ancient contraption has to work one more time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh well so it goes so it goes but i think if uh no one else has anything Mm-mm, no okay. i'm good well again you know really entertaining ride obviously uh mix of opinions about certain things but so it goes <laughs> and that is all the time we have for this episode so until next time i'm steven i'm andrew and i'm joel and every spoiler was intended Thank you for tuning in. If you like what you heard, you can support the show for as low as $1 at patreon.com slash spoilers intended podcast. 
We also have a Discord server and would love to have more people joining in the conversation. Links are in the description below. Thank you.